The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 363 for <laughs> Thursday, November 10th, 2011. Good readings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab premium edition the show where just like every other episode you send in your questions you send in your tips we share some answers we share our own tips and together we all learn something about the mac and we do it here where we can thank you for supporting us directly uh and uh and and being a and subscribing to our our premium feed and john and i really appreciate that and speaking of i'm dave hamilton here in durham new hampshire and there he is John, John Efron. That's right. In Fairfield, Connecticut. I like this. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we've got, uh, we've, what do you like? Well, the, the, the fact that we've got like, you know, three weeks in a row where we're just doing podcast after podcast after podcast. It's good. We did oh. one last Thursday, right? While I was in LA, then we did one Monday and now we're doing one today and then we're doing one Monday and then we're doing one Thursday and then we're doing one Monday and then I'm going away. Oh, oh yeah, you're 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 going to be cruising, right? Yeah. So here's the thing. I've got Fun. a uh, I've I've got a I've got a related story though. Uh this morning I was asking Lisa. I said uh, cuz you know when we go away, um I'm you're basically unreachable on a cruise ship, right? Uh but there is a way of <sighs> being of being reached and it's this, you know, satellite phone or whatever and it costs like 8 bucks a minute. But I always like to give uh the number we we like to give it to, you know, like my dad or whatever who's watching the house. And then I'll also give it to, you know, Brian and, and, um, and, and Jeff and, you know, people that might need to reach me, not that I could do anything on the ship, but you know, maybe if, if there was some big problem, they could just tell me uh, again, I don't know why they would want to call me, but anyway, it makes them feel better. And it makes me feel better knowing that, you know, if something happens, somebody can find me. So anyway, uh, and there's, there's a point to this story that's very Apple related. Uh, so I asked Lisa yeah, this morning. I I asked Lisa this morning, I said, uh, do we have a phone number? Cause we're doing a different cruise line. We're doing RC this time. And we've done Disney in the past. I said, do we have a phone number? And, and she said, yeah, let me get that. And I said, RC is Royal Royal Caribbean. That's right. Okay. Yep. And, uh, and, and I said, oh, and what's our room number? And she told me our room number oh. <laughs> and I stopped and I said, really? I saw this. Yeah. So our room number is six, five Oh two. Which, of course, was the model number of the Motorola processor that was in the uh, the original Apple IIs and the Apple II Plus. And was that it was even the Apple IIe, right? It was the Apple IIc that went to the um, 65C02. I, I thought think. the IIe also had the CO2, or I think you could upgrade it. I think I may okay. have actually upgraded. Okay. And then remember, then you had the Zip chip. I think I had one of those. And... Uh, and then I think the GS had the 65816, but it was all because it begins with a six. It was all the Motorola. Right. Now, I think the, the 2E had a 6502. So it was the, the 2C was the first with the 65CO2. I, I, I think you're wrong. All right. Well, check that out. But uh, <laughs> but so I decided, well, if I'm going to have a, a 6502 uh, room number, I should get an old, right, to match uh, Apple magnet. The doors on most cruise ships are magnetic. And people tend to decorate their doors and, you know, put stuff on them or whatever. So, because frankly, because it makes your room easier to find as you're walking down the, uh, you know, it makes your stateroom easier to find as you're walking down the hallway. So, uh, so I ordered a, a, um, an, I found a guy on eBay that was selling, you know, old Apple logo magnets that should be the perfect size for the door. So I'll, I'll make sure to snap a picture of that and share it when, when we get back. So, uh, 
so that was the that was the beginning of my day. But now here we are. So let's uh, let's go ahead and, and answer Terry's question. Unless unless you uh, you have some research on the the old Apple the sixty five CO two, but I'm I'm pretty sure it was the two C was the first machine that had that. Yeah, I, I still seem to recall that I did an uh, did an upgrade on my two E. I think there was an option. Oh, no, no, no. Oh no, no. I'm looking here. In that time, following the original, two important variations were known as the enhanced two E for the replacement chips, right? Including an upgraded processor called the sixty five CO two. Yes, so my that, memory is correct. Well, but that the enhanced two E came out after the two C. Right, but what I'm saying is that the 2E did have an... Op- uh, what I said was somewhat correct. There you go. What I'm saying is that there was a 2E that had a 65 CO2. Okay. That's the one that I had, so... Oh, really? I thought you got your machine before me. Huh. Yeah. But anyways, nice little processor. You know, 8-bit eight, eight processor. Yeah. 1 megahertz. <laughs> megahertz. Oh, gosh. One, yeah, right. 1 megahertz. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So the zip chip, I think. So that I think was eight megahertz. So yeah. that was that was like mind boggling. All right. Dive into it. Terry. <laughs> Terry. Uh, Terry writes in Mac OS 10 when using spotlight to search, if I in, in in Snow Leopard, rather, when using spotlight to search, if I hovered over a file or folder, the OS revealed a box with the name and the path to the item. In Lion, though, this feature appears to be missing. Is there a way to get it back? I looked in Spotlight Preferences, but didn't see anything of help. John? I don't know if it's a fist shake or a finger wag, but this is one of the annoyances of Lion. They change things that don't need changing, in my opinion, because I hadn't done this for a while, but I did the same thing. Yep. You know, I brought up something in Spotlight. It was a document. I hovered over to it. Nothing. Ugh. Fortunately, there's an answer. So using the Google Foo, uh, there are two things you could do, but they require you to hold down keys on your keyboard. So one, if you hold down after you have something highlighted or you have your cursor over something in spotlight, if you hold down option and command, you will see the path. Okay. If you hold down. So that's one thing, but then this one's a little more interesting. If you hold down just command, it does like a little, um, it'll alternate between, as far as I can tell, the first thing it'll show you is the type of content. And then after a few moments, it'll scroll away and it'll show you the path and it'll keep repeating this cycle. So, uh, huh. so on the one hand, this is something I didn't even know existed, this whole uh, you know content type thing. So I guess that could be useful. Right, right. Um, but, but again, I'll, I'll reduce it to a finger wag. Why? And that, uh, why? 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 Ch- so they added functionality, but you have to do something different in order to get at it. But that's the answer. Okay. Cool. Well, that's what we're here about is the answers and the fish shakes because you know that's uh, that's how we roll. Um. All right. Moving on to Dina. Dina's been having some problems with her machine and has lost her iPhoto library, and she sent us a note asking. Is there a way I have all my photos synced to my iPad from my Mac? Is there a way to get them back? Now, this is interesting because you can, when you plug your iPad or your iPhone or your iOS, any iOS device, when you plug it in and you launch iPhoto, you see the device there and you can import from it. 
But iPhoto in this way only sees items in the camera roll, pictures that you have taken with the device. It does not see items that you have synced to the device, which come from iTunes. But of course, iTunes doesn't see them to bring it back. So it's a double edged sword Uh, for something like the good news is that you that you've got a backup of them effectively on your iPad and you're smart to think about it that way. Uh, For me, I would use something like Ecamm Network's uh, phone view, which sort of a catch all utility that allows you to see uh, all sorts of data that's on that are on your iOS devices and you can manipulate that data, but you can also copy it off. And there's even a send to iPhoto button uh, if you go in and highlight your various um, uh, albums on your iPhone, on your iPad. It'll just pull them off the iPad and send them right into your your iPhoto library. So uh, but going forward, make sure you make a backup. But but uh, yeah, phone view is uh, is probably the, the trick for you that 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 should do it. Do you have any other thoughts on this, John? I know we've talked about this a couple of times, but never in this, um, never in this capacity. Right. So. Yeah. So, so let me, let me try to clarify here. So, so the photos that she's concerned about, uh, so as you point out there, there are two uh, classes of photos on, on the iPad or any iDevice. There are photos that are in the photo roll, which are photos that are taken by the camera on the device. So that's the camera roll. And right. I think that's what it's called on all the devices. Then as you pointed out, so, so the syncing here. And I guess I want to dig a little deeper here. So the syncing is something that happens at iTunes. So if you highlight the device, which actually I'm looking at my MacBook Pro right now, and you know what's so cool, Dave, is that I don't have a cable connected to my iPhone. Right. Because <laughs> now we have Wi-Fi syncing. That's right. Which is pretty darn cool. It doesn't work for all operations, but uh, it works for a lot of things. Uh, so if you highlight photos, I guess here's the key is that you can say sync photos from your pictures folder, or you can choose uh, a piece of software like iPhoto. So I guess what happens is at one point she had synced with iPhoto via iTunes and to put the pictures out there. And then what you can do, and then you can further, uh, further say, okay, from iPhoto sync everything or sync selected items. So uh, I'm not sure which choice she, she made there. Right. Um, it, it almost doesn't matter. Right. I mean, it, it, but well, it matters in so much as that's the data that she now has. All right. So, so the concern here is that there are photos on the device, and and I think the other problem is that she can no longer access the photos in the iPhoto library. Right. right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. The only other thing I would do, um, as probably a last resort, because I agree with you that there there's pieces of software that are that are made to do this, but you could try to go to the iPhoto library file, which should be in your pictures folder, uh, right click or, or whatever you do for the uh, uh, optional click there to get the contextual menu and then say view package contents. And there's going to be a folder in that iPhoto library at the first level called masters. As far as I can tell, that masters folder is the folder that contains all of the raw JPEGs. So well, that that's if she has access to her iPhoto library. But that's that doesn't get her the photos off her iPad, right? Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're right. No, I I just want to mention an option because it's a related problem here. It sounds like that. Yeah, but one of the problems here is it 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 seems that that library is corrupted or lost. But there may be a way to get in there. But I'm with you. Yeah, to pull things off. Now, I don't think image capture will do this. I think that's just the photo roll, right? I'm pretty sure it is because image capture is also a nice image simple way to pull gets, photos out of your iDevice. Yep. Yep. That's right. 
Yeah. But I don't think it does synced photos. I think it just does photos that are the photo roll, right? Uh, that's right. <sighs> okay. So, yeah. All right. Um, moving on to Margaret. Uh, Margaret. And, and we've got, you know, as often happens for us here, John, we have many uh, questions that are similar to one another. And Margaret writes. Uh, a year ago, Apple replaced the motherboard on my MacBook Pro. I believe this caused Time Machine to discontinue using its backup and to create an entirely new backup. Now I've run out of space and Time Machine has warned that it is deleting old backups. That would be fine, except it has not deleted the actual old ones, the ones from before the motherboard switch, which are stored separately in my backups.backupdb folder. There are two other folders. One has the computer name. The other has the computer name plus MacBook Pro appended. The one with the appendix contains the most recent backups, and it is these backups that are being deleted. I tried to delete the other older folder, but I cannot. And I get an error that says OS status error negative 5000. I even tried the scary sudo rm r command authenticating with my admin password. That action failed too with an operation not permitted message. Is there oh, a way? Just a, just a dash r? Okay, I just want to make sure that, or let me look at the email. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. Is there a way to delete this useless folder and its contents? I know I can delete the backups within it one at a time from within Time Machine, but it seems tedious and I don't think it will remove the folder itself. Okay. So, uh, this is interesting and this one actually kind of leads, leads us down a, a, a very valuable path. Margaret, Margaret, Margaret. Hi, John. Uh, How are you I, doing? Uh, Do you mind if I uh, chit chat here a little bit? Yeah, I do actually. No, well, yeah, you, you go and then I'll interject because okay. I, 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 I'm wondering if what she typed, if she could have typed something that was a bit more um, forceful. I, you, you got the reins, man. Go ahead. Pseudo RM dash R. As far as I know, what that means, dash R is recursive. That's that right. It will start from wherever you are and drill down. Now there's another flag that you can do or switch in this case. And that is the F, which as I kind of implied is force. And I wonder if uh, doing a RM dash FR would have been successful. I'm sorry, little tangent, but I, you know, I'm pretty sure that because F well, F F says do it, man. So I'm wondering if that would have been successful, but yeah, it, it might. And it, and that actually is, is a good answer that that might solve your problem, Margaret. Uh, in, but then you fact, found something you're on fire. You found something awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I started researching this as we do and I'm like, okay, you know, what is error negative 5,000? So I go and I start, I start typing, you know, negative 5,000. Of course, searching for negative numbers in Google is where Google totally falls apart. Right. You know, I can find things where it lists OSS status error, but then to find negative 5,000, Google like totally falls apart. But in my hunting, I found something that, frankly, we all should know about. We all need to know about. And it's been there for a long time. There is a terminal command. You know, it, it kills me that I hadn't heard about this before. There, there's a terminal command called Mac error, M-A-C-E-R-R-O-R. -R -R. And what you do is you go to the terminal and you don't have to do anything scary. You just type Mac error altogether, no space. 
And then afterwards, there's a space, Mac error space, and then the error number, negative or positive, whatever you need to type, you type it. And you get a one line answer immediately that tells you in this case with Mac error space, negative 5,000 Mac OS error, negative 5,000 AFP access denied insufficient access privileges for operation. Well, thank goodness. Now we know what the problem is. I don't know why they can't link that with the finder and have it tell us what's going on. But hey, you know, that's their business. So uh, so now we know it's insufficient access privileges. John, your uh, sudo uh, rm space dash rf command might actually override this. In fact, it probably will. But um, but otherwise, you know, I'm thinking uh, based on her description, this is not a network drive. It is a firewire drive because she says this is a backup stop backup DB folder. Uh, and so it's possible when you have a firewire drive to mount it without privileges enabled. Uh, and you do that by doing a get info on the drive and uh you in it is in the finder, highlight the drive, do a get info. And then at the bottom of the get info window near privileges, there's a checkbox that says ignore ownership on this volume. Check that box and then see if it'll let you delete those files. It just might. So uh, so either that or 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 John's uh, uh, sudo command with the F added to forcibly delete. I'm hoping that one of those two will solve this problem for you. But Margaret, thank you for asking the question, because now we all know how to look up these errors. And uh, man, I, I, I was so happy to find that. I can't believe we haven't, you know, it's six and a half years. We've been doing this show far longer than that. Have we been, uh, have, have we been, you know, geeking out about the Mac? It seems like this Mac error command was written by a Perl master named Pudge, uh, otherwise known as Chris Nandor. And it's dated 2002. So I think it's been here for a long time, but uh, wow. Now, yeah. How did you, how did you figure that out, Dave? Oh, well, we went to the man page where you type uh, any Unix command. Well, most, not all, uh, have a manual page and you type man, M-A-N, space, and then the Unix command. So in this case, it was man space Mac error. And it showed a couple of very, very uh, brief description of what this does. Uh, it's clearly a Perl based thing. And uh, and Chris Nandor is, uh, is, like I said, is known as Pudge in the Perl community. And uh, and he's. He's kind of a pearl master from what I understand. So it's cool that this is built into the OS. It's great. I just, you know, shocks me that we haven't found out about it, but now we know, yeah. which is good. So until developers use plain English or whatever language you speak, error codes, right? This will do it. You know, I wonder if there's, I would imagine this is localized. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's oh, U S only. That's a good question. Hey, anybody who's not in uh, not in the U S here speaks something other than English. Let us know. I'd be curious if, if they localize this command. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Huh. Well, it is what it is. Uh, all right. We move on now to Pratic. Uh, Pratic writes, uh, I'm coming to you for advice as to how, how to deal with my, you guessed it, time machine mail message problem. I run Time Machine, as all good Mac owners should. I've run it through the change over to Lion, and periodically I launch it to check and make sure there's something there. And he's actually got a question, but this right here is, is good enough to share on the show. What a great idea. Occasionally checking your backup to make sure it actually has the data that you'll want if, in fact, you need it. Huge. Uh, but anyway, he has a question. He says, uh, 
My backups do seem to be backing up various significant amounts of data, according to the info pane in the menu bar. So I was surprised recently when I went into Time Machine via my mail.app browser. I saw nothing. All my folders and mailboxes were empty. See the uh, and he sent us an iPhone picture uh, of his screen while he was in the, you know, swirling stars time machine interface. Mm -hmm. uh, this contrasts with entering time machine via a finder window. If I go to my mail library, uh, I do see messages in the crypt, crypt cryptic folder tree in which they're stored. They do seem to be messages being stored, but I can't seem to access them as messages via mail. As an aside, I've restored mail messages successfully several months ago under Snow Leopard. I let Google be my friend, but no luck. Uh, and then he uh, wrote us before we had a chance to answer his question. He wrote up and he said, I did some additional digging and I went further back in the backups and found that the mail that is backed up uh, was backed up in the July 18th backup. Uh, and then it all disappeared in the next weekly snapshot on July 25th. Of course, in the interim, Lion was released and I had upgraded to it. So it seems like although the migration to the new mail app in Lion went smoothly for me, it wasn't so smooth for Time Machine. So I guess I have two options. I can blow out my Time Machine and start afresh. But in the process, I lose the historical backups of all the other files. Or number two, muddle on, retaining my deep history for everything else other than my mail. Is there a way to archive my current Time Machine sparse bundle? It's on a time capsule somewhere so I could access it at a later point. Could I just copy it to my Drobo FS? Uh, so to answer your questions, yeah, you definitely can take your time machine backup, copy it to anywhere you want, and uh, and then you can access it. And the way you do that is uh, you go to the time machine menu with the option key down or or click on the menu and then hold down the option key. It doesn't much matter which order you choose and say browse other time machine disks. And that'll allow you to point somewhere else. So that's certainly an option if uh, if you can't solve this problem, but you might be able to solve this problem in system preferences. Go to time machine and go to options and look at your exclusions list. Mail data is stored in your home library mail and then for Lion V2 folder. And any of these folders, home library mail or V2 could be excluded. And if any one of them is excluded, Everything below it is then excluded as well. So check that and make sure that somewhere along the line, something didn't get foobar there. Uh, and in fact, when researching the, this uh, for the show here, John, I noticed that so I noticed something really weird, actually. Uh, this sort of a bit disconcerting. My main hard drive was excluded from my time machine backups, but it was still yeah. being but it was still being backed up. So. I don't, I, I pulled it, I obviously pulled it out of the exclusions list, but it didn't trigger some, you know, hundred gigabyte backup. I had like, you know, a gig or something and then it was happy to go. So I, th there's something wacky about the exclusions list, at least in Lion and, and perhaps other OSs. But yeah, I was very, very alarmed to see that. So, huh. yeah, I'm looking on my MacBook Pro, which has Lion and uh, my mail when I, yeah, when I do the, the time machine interface, it goes back to September 2011, which is like, think when i installed the uh the ssd on this thing or is there so okay so it doesn't i was just afraid <laughs> yeah i was like, oh my gosh is it not backing up my mail it <sighs> seems to be oh well no i also moved over i'm sorry i moved over to the drobo as well i think that's what i did hmm all right so yes so not important no, not nothing. important okay not important <laughs> no, I, I, it's still slow. No, I was just looking at my uh, looking at my uh, mail time machine backup to make sure there was something there. 
than there is. So, well, that's a good thing. That's yeah. a good thing. Lion still scares me. I, you know, <laughs> I'm I, still I, nervous. I posted a tweet about it. It seems like I keep bumping into the walls with lion all the time. You know, it's like, I, I'm not, I'm not comfortable in it yet. And I, there's some things that are just wacky. Like for example, Safari, and actually you could have this problem in Safari on snow leopard too. I think the downloads window that doesn't detach and it's only available. If you bring your mouse up and click, that's, I get that that's valuable if you're in full screen mode because you need some way of viewing your downloads and it has to be attached to the main window, right? Otherwise you can't, it just doesn't work. But if I'm not in full screen mode, can I have it as a window? Is that okay? No, apparently not. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't want to spread FUD or fear, uncertainty, and doubt either. Sure. Yeah. It's just, I'm not comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, uh, are, are we turning into, I mean, I, I before you, but are we turning into the get off my lawn, you know, I, uh, you definitely know, or the, or yes. the Saturday Night Live guy who was like, you know, back in my day, we did it like this and we liked it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think we are bad. I don't, I don't think not we yet. are. No, not in this case. I'm mean, actually, I, I'm certain that we are, but, but this case is not an example <laughs> of that. I just, I think, but I think, of course, in general, we are, we're like old dudes now. We're getting there. So, yeah, it's not like it was when we were in our twenties, John. All right. Well, I told you my, my, uh, Siri story. Did I tell you my Siri story? You did. Yeah. Oh, all right. I think you I, told I, us all your Siri story. Yeah. Did I? No, I think, I think in, I did. in, in uh, show 362. You did. I don't tell it again. Oh, well, wonder. you know, a follow up to that is so I asked another person that works at the same place who uh, is a thirty something instead of their twenty something. Yeah. And when I said to her, you know, who's who's the first uh, computer you think of when you hear the song Daisy, and she's like, Oh, how in two thousand one? And I'm like, Okay, good. It's not just me. So so it is a a, a generational thing. Yes. Yes. All right. All right. I good. Feel not as old. <laughs> All that's, right. Next. That's what, right. What we got Paul. Uh, Paul. Paul. Yeah. Let's see. He. Um, Okay, so he says, and I'm trying to think, he's got this very long convoluted email here. Uh, let's see. He said, um, I'm searching for the reason that Time Machine continues to run on my Lion Fortified MacBook Pro, even though when I open up Time Machine and System Preferences, the little slider is set to off. It has happened twice, and the second time I had the presence of mind to show you a screenshot, uh, which seems impossible. And indeed, Paul sent us a screenshot that shows uh, Time Machine backing up and right in the midst of a backup, all going just fine, and the slider is off. And Paul wonders why. Well, Paul, so here's the thing. You can set time, and this is good for everybody to know, you can have Time Machine set to off. All this slider in Time Machine does is triggers the automatic hourly backups, but by setting it to off does not prohibit you or, or keep you from backing up. You could back up, say by going to the time machine menu and choosing backup now, uh, and the slider will still be off and the backup will be going. I get that in Paul's case, he might not have done that because he probably would have remembered. However, there are other things that can trigger backups. For example, one of our favorite utilities and having been a listener to this show, Paul, you might have installed this. Uh, one of our favorite utilities called Time Machine Editor. Right, John? So this utility allows you to set your own custom backup schedule or parameters. And in fact, to use it, you have 
to turn Time Machine off so that you're not having hourly backups happening alongside these other backups that are going to be scheduled by uh, Time Machine Editor. And all Time Machine Editor does is puts a new entry into your launch D uh, system, which is the thing that kind of kicks off all these apps and uh, and schedules things. And so it just puts a new entry in and then it's out of the way. It's not doing anything. So chances are you have a an entry that was put out there by Time Machine Editor or one of the other programs that are like it. Uh, but running that program again uh, should allow you to turn that off. And then you can go back to using Time Machine the way you uh, the way you want. So that that's my thought on on that one. Johnny, how many any other thoughts on that? Mr. Braun. Yes, sir. How you doing? Um, yeah, I'm trying to I'm, I'm going down a path here, uh, yeah. but I'm coming back. No, the path I'm going down is I wanted to look. Leave bread crumbs, John. <laughs> how about cake? Or cake is good. That's right. There, There is no bread. We will let you eat cake. You know, the cake is not a lie, by the way. I found the cake. I saw the cake with my very own eyes. You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? Oh, I, I thought we were talking about Bastille Day, but uh, but clearly, no. Oh. Marie Antoinette, like, there is no bread. Let them eat cake. That's, that's You, have, you haven't played Portal? Portal. No, oh, I haven't played Portal. Oh, you got to play Portal. Oh, oh, it's so much fun. That's the other uh, Steam game I've been playing. So oh. uh, Team Fortress, but also Portal and Portal 2. Actually, oh. my buddy, uh, one of my friends actually gifted me uh, uh, Portal 2, and, and they have a nice team play. Oh, cool uh, mode, but but also part part of the game has something to do with cake, which everybody can agree on that. No, I was looking, so I was scratching my head, thinking, well, how could I see what's in Launch D? And and so I started on at least my Snow Leopard machine, but I think I have an older version here. But I think there's something called Lingon that will. Uh, it, it doesn't look like it looks like a display file got corrupted though, because I'm not seeing a backup D job here, which I believe is what you would be running in order to, uh, to do time machine backup. Right now, are you running the new version of Lingon? Because they're, uh, I'm running the older one. So maybe that's okay. it. So I'm you got to go Lingon buy it. 1.2. Yeah. It the, used to be pretty old. Oh, it used to be available for, it used Yikes. to be available for free. And the developer gave up on it until the Mac app store came out. And then he decided, yep. Okay. This, I can make a run at this and now it's for sale in the Mac app store, but it's actively <clears> developed. So well worth the price. And it's a way better interface than it used to be. But but yeah, yeah, no, it lets you see all these cool launch D things in a in an interface that might make sense to us humans, which is awesome. Okay. So yeah, so my suggestion. So yeah, so I'll I'll have to throw uh, just like Growl. Growl just uh started charging. And I, I like Growl. And there's a new version of Growl. Right. Um, yeah, Growl told and, me there was a new version of Growl. Yeah. Multiple so, you know, times. I, so I I decided, you know, I, I threw uh, I think it was ninety a big ninety nine cents. Which I don't, I don't think is, is a lot to pay for. <laughs> too, it's too cheap, if you ask me. Uh, I, I find it very useful to, uh, to drive my uh, uh, OCD and, and all of that. <laughs> so, so Lingon, yeah. So the thing is, I, I, uh, yeah, I have an older version. So I got to upgrade, but I'm sure buried somewhere in, in one of the things that Lingon displays is going to be a backup D job. And you could remove it from there, too, or disable it uh, right from within Lingon. Mm-hmm. doesn't just display it lets you edit and create wow, we're, even we're just all over the place here i know uh speaking of being all over the place we will stick with paul <laughs> even though uh he's going to jump us around the agenda and we will offer a cool stuff found thing because paul's email was all over the place and had all kinds of great stuff in it paul says in the cool stuff found department i have been using mac feet on all my mac laptops since i first found them at macworld back in 1998 
And this is from laptopdesk.net is where he's found them. They're these little fold out things. You stick them to the bottom of your laptop and then you can fold them out to lift up your laptop or fold them in to just let it lay pretty much flat. And uh, and this allows you to not only get an angle on your laptop, which you might like, but also to give it some uh, airflow underneath, which, of course, is good for heat dissipation. So uh, so we will put those in thing in the uh, in the thing in the show notes. It's uh, 15 bucks, 12 bucks at lapworks.com. Laptopdesk.net. Don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but check the show notes because that that'll have the link. It's a beautiful thing. All right, John. So now we've got him taken care of. Uh, Kevin. Yeah, let's go, Kevin. Hey, Dave, John, and Pilot Pete. It's Kevin here from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Longtime listener of the show and a premium subscriber. And uh, loving the show. Uh, I just have a comment. Um, actually, kind of a comment slash question. Um, so I've had two hard drives in the last uh, last year that have have what I thought failed on me. Um, so I bought new hard drives. You know, I, I do a, a mirroring setup using uh, Chronosync to mirror folders across multiple drives. And it works really well for me. But I, uh, so I've had two drives over the last year that started to flake out on me and disk utility couldn't seem to repair them. And uh, so I just wrote them off as bad drives, filed them away and bought, you know, two new hard drives within a really short period of time. But then recently, um, my two new hard drives um, started to not show up. They started to not mount on my desktop. And I thought this is a little strange that, uh, you know, two brand new hard drives and four drives in this amount of time would would mess up like that. So what I'm thinking that it is, and I'm pretty sure, is um, when I'm formatting the drives as a Windows format, um, using the X the XFAT um, format, um, that, and I've read online that that can be a problem, and that that over time that the you know the data can be kind of corrupt or or uh, the file system gets kind of kind of messed up, and that's definitely been my experience. So I just wanted to know if you guys have heard of that or had any experiences with that. Um, in the meantime, I'm formatting all my drives back to the OS 10 journaled format. And uh, until I until I know otherwise, I use Windows machines only once in a while, so it's not super important to me. But wanted to see what you guys think on that. Um, uh, that's about it. Uh, if you have any questions, all right, we'll cut you off. John, was that you in the background there hunting for a knife in his silverware drawer? I, I certainly hope not. Okay, good. I, I don't. I don't know where Kevin lives, so uh, <laughs> no, I, I was not rooting around. Uh, in his uh, silver or whatever. No, yeah. that was uh, so. Apparently, he has a mic with uh, with a pretty good reach there. I guess so. Uh, okay, so here's the thing: uh, the XFAT format. For those of you that what dig around, dig around in disk utility, and I think this is certainly there in Snow Leopard, certainly in Lion. Uh, there are several different formats that you can use. The default is, as Kevin mentioned at the end mac os 10 extended journaled uh you can also do journaled case sensitive and then there are two formats that are windows ish formats one is called fat and then the other is x fat x fat is the well fat i believe is fat 32 actually i don't think it's fat 16 john i think think so i think it's fat 32 yeah um okay 
because to explain to people what that means. So, so one, I don't like it because they're not using the proper terminology, but I believe the number there is, is a relative measure, I think, of the size of the the maximum size of a partition. So is that is that your take on that? That's right. Yes, that's right. So fat 16, fat 32, and then I guess then we have X fat, which I haven't even heard of. I, I haven't been around that. So go. Right. Right. So, so yeah, there's one, it's called, I think it, in the drop down list, it's like MS DOS or something. And then there's this X fat X fat is technically fat 64. So a 64 bit file system, but it was totally built with the sole purpose of being used on USB thumb drives. Uh, and it, apparently there were some reasons for this, but, uh, but it is absolutely not recommended to be used for anything else. Uh, so I, I, I think that might be the root of your problems here. Uh, I've, I've not, I, I've not had a lot of experience formatting things as XFAT because I can't find a good reason to do so. And I can find a lot of reasons online, especially, uh, that convince me not to do so your story, notwithstanding. So, uh, yeah, I think if you, if you need to format a drive that will be read regularly and written to regularly by a windows machine, use the MS DOS format, but otherwise, go ahead and just use Mac OS 10 journal. Um, Mac OS 10 extended journal rather is the uh, is the right thing. So that that's because because these are what's you know, these are what are supported by the OS. You want to use the default for the OS uh, when you when you can. And then if you have to use, you know, MS DOS, which is fat 32 and 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 there you go. So but but John's about to disagree with me. So, you know, here we go. <laughs> I don't know about disagree, but I want to mention. Uh, so one, I, I did find a nice handy uh, comparison chart here. Yeah. So yeah. So the the so there's fat twelve, fat sixteen, fat thirty two, and X fat, and and yes, the maximum volume size is one of the things that it has to do with. And I think actually X fat you can get up to 128 petabytes. That's huge. Great. But fat thirty two will let you do 32 gigabytes, which should be big enough for. Uh, 32 gigabytes or two terabytes, which should be enough for everybody. Um, the only other thing is that, you know, when I, I did the Windows thing, and, and I still do on occasion, um, NTFS is the other choice. But I believe Mac OS X, does Snow Leopard write, or did they still have that limitation that they can only read NTFS? No, it's only read. You have to use, like, Paragon's driver or something if you want to write NTFS. And even the reading... I, I wouldn't trust NTFS on Mac OS 10 in a regular way. It, it, you're always going to be stuck doing something out of the box. And when it comes to data on your drive, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be out of the box. I want to do something that, you know, that Apple blesses. So that's and my hold thing. On, hold on. Okay, and the other product. All right, because I, I think the advantage of NTFS is that NTFS does give you better control of security it does than ms dos yeah and if if i was totally in a windows environment that i would use ntfs versus uh versus a uh, fat um I'll which i have right yeah um now there's another product i see here called uh ntfs 3g which i believe has evolved into a commercial product and i do have it on my macbook pro here so i think that's a a reliable ntfs implementation is it reliable because when we've talked about this in the past you, in fact, you were the one that found that NTFS 3G was the one that sucked and Paragon was better. Is that different now? Uh, they've evolved here. So, um, 
Uh, and I'm looking actually at the uh, the pref pane here, and it says Tuxera, the company behind NTFS 3G, is now offering a commercial NTFS driver for Mac OS X, featuring premium support, additional features, and much improved performance. All right. So, uh, so, so it looks like they offer. So they still offer a freebie, but then if you throw them some money, they will offer a higher. Per, and I guess the downside of the freebie is that the performance is not great, but the advantage is that it's it's free. It's free. So when I've used the Texas and NTFS drive, I never had any problem with reliability, though. Yeah, per- performance. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna have some really long show notes here. <laughs> I know, but I wanted to mention it because, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of Mac people have to deal with the evil that is uh you know <laughs> windows uh, uh formatting schemes yep yep absolutely all right uh okay let's move on to philip philip writes i have a customer that uses apple mail on lion when you read a new email you can change the size of the fonts on the screen to see it better but when you compose a new email there's no way to make the size of the fonts on the screen bigger uh if you, uh, for a workaround, I've told my customer to compose his email in a font size of 18. Then once it is written, select all the text and reduce it to a font size of 12. OK, so what Philip's talking about here is when you're looking at your mail, you can hit uh, command plus, which I think is uh, goes to uh, where is it? It's it's something. Do you know which menu it is that command plus? I think it's something in the format menu. Format. Yeah, format and style, and it makes it bigger. Yep. Yep. And so you can do this with no real uh, consequence when you're reading mail. But of course, when you're writing mail, uh, you can actually do this. You just have to select the text and then you can make it larger. However, uh, if you are set to send rich text, and we'll talk about how and and why uh, in a minute. But if you're set to send rich text, you will be imposing whatever formatting you choose on your recipient. So if you want to compose at 18 point, you may not want to be sending 18 point text to your recipients. In fact, you probably want it to display for them in whatever they've chosen as their default font. Uh, and unless you have a reason to format your text, otherwise, I think that's a good philosophy. So uh, let's talk about this philosophy and how to implement it in mail. You go to mail and go to preferences. Of course, you can go to fonts and colors And you set your message font to whatever you want to read and write with. Uh, This will be, you know, and if you want it to be 18, go ahead and set it to 18. That's fine. This is for you and you alone. As long as you do step number two. So once you've set your font the way you want, again, this is message font in mail, preferences, fonts and colors. Then go over to the composing tab right there in mail preferences. And the first option is message format. Make sure that's set to plain text. This will make sure to just send your message as the text that it is. It will not include any formatting, no underlining, no bold, no nothing, and specifically no font face or size. Uh, If you go to make something bold, mail will actually jump out at you and say, hey, you're about to make this. You're about to add formatting to this. In order to do that, we need to send this as rich text. Is that cool? And you can say yes or no. Uh, So setting it to plain text as the default will make the world happy. Uh, And then, uh, John, I think you've got something to add about signatures here because we ran into a little something while we were prepping the show today. So but I think that should work for your for your customer there, Philip. But but make sure you you, you do this thing with signatures that John's going to tell us about because it's important. Oh, one, I got a kick out of you saying that what what you suggested will make the world happy. I'm not sure about. 
Oh, no. Plain text email makes the world happy. I, I really, you know, I mean, cool. Actually, you know, there are good uses nowadays of people using HTML and email and, and some formatting. But in a general sense, I don't want your formatting on my iPhone. You know, I don't want your format. You don't know what device I'm going to read on. So let me decide what my mail is going to look like, especially especially if all we're doing is sending text to each other. You know, if there's a reason to format it and you've got some fancy, you know, fancy pants formatting going on, that's fine. And and again, some HTML email works great. It's like having a little web page in your email. But I don't need your font when I'm just reading your text. That drives me crazy. Go, uh, to go me, I, I don't see why anybody needs anything more than courier. Okay. Monospace, Let's courier see. 10 or 12. See, there you go. Imposing your font preference on the rest of the world. We don't want that. And in fact, up until today, you were doing that in your in your signature uh, to anyone from Mac Geek Cab uh, that you replied to, but you unknowingly, fixed it. unknowingly. But this brought up this discussion, and you fixed it, and with a simple checkbox, no less. Tell them, right. tell them, so Johnny. If you, go, if you go to Mail App, yeah, uh, man, and you go to the Mail menu, preferences. There will be a signatures. Now, this was the funny thing. So, yeah, you you had pointed out, Dave, an area where I did not have it configured as I thought I did. Because on my screen, everything is courier for the most part, including right. my signature. However, and, and even when, so, so on the left side of the signatures pane, so once you click on that, you will see all signatures. And it'll list all the signatures that you have to find. And I have multiple ones depending on my email account. And there was a checkbox that says always match my default message font. And that was checked. So I'm like, why are you seeing this weirdness, Dave? But then I scrolled down and then I clicked on the end. And this is kind of a crummy interface, I think, in my opinion here, because then I started clicking down on the individual signatures that comprise that all signatures category. And there's one for my ISP, one for my iCloud, one for Gmail, another one for my ISP. And then for Mac Geek Gab, because we recently switched and I wonder if this came about because we switched me over to a different mail no, server. It's, it's always been, it's been this way for like a year. I, I can't mean it And to you haven't you. told me. No, I can't mean it to tell you. And you just never did. No. So you made me look like a fool. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. No, but then I clicked on the Mac Geek Gab categories of signatures and the box that said always match my default message font was unchecked. And yes, after all these years, they finally told me. So I checked that box. So... Now I will not aggravate people with uh, with my replies. I, I'm probably have. the only one that was aggravated aggravated by this. By the way, no, I'm sure some other people were. Oh, I, I'm maybe. sure I would be because no, I've seen this before too. I uh, where I see email with uh, any. I guess what gets me is when I see it and the font sizes start to get really different. You know, if everything's about the same point size, then I'm okay. But the, sometimes for whatever reason, I think you know other people run into this too. I mean, sometimes I'll get an email. And it's like, you know, 24 points or something. And I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, either the person doesn't have very good vision, which, okay. But even if they don't, they don't need to impose that on us. You know, back to my previous (laughs) point. It's it's okay. Look, you know, we all have to live with ourselves. It's fine. You don't listen. The last thing any of you want is for me to impose my crazy life onto you. You know, I'm crazy. You don't want any of that in your life. You just want like this little piece of it that we do with the podcast where we try to remain restrained and I'm not doing a good job today, but you know, it is what it is. So, uh, you know, there you go. Yeah, I'm crazy today. I'm like all whacked out, but we're getting a lot done. Do you have tea or coffee or what? Uh, very, no, not really. I mean, I have tea, okay. but it's not caffeinated. Hmm. I've just been, you know, on this, this, I've been, I don't know, crazy today. It's good. 
right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that's what it is. Yeah. Like I said, you got to be able to live with yourself. All right. Let's go to, uh, or you got to learn to live with yourself. That, the, that was the, something a friend of mine told me years, decades ago. I thought, wow, mm-hmm. that's good advice. Yep. Uh, Roland writes, I noticed that once I upgraded to iOS five, iTunes shows a new step when syncing my iPhone. It says download Safari safe browsing data. What does this mean? Is it saving my browsing history somewhere on my Mac? Can I prevent it from doing so? If it is downloading, where does the data live on my Mac? John, you know, I don't know the answer to one of those questions. Okay. But I will tell you what, Safari safe browsing data is. All right. So this is in both. And, and you know, I noticed this too. I noticed that iTunes now says this. I think it's always been doing it. Mm. I think it's been around since iOS 5. I think now they just explicitly uh, express, uh, tell you that they're doing it in iTunes. But this is a mechanism that is built into Safari, both on the Mac and on uh, iDevices. And what it is, is I guess uh, the, the best way to refer to it, it's a, it's a blacklist. <clears throat> and that it, it's a list that I believe Google manages it. And the way you can, uh, and at least on, uh, on the Mac here, if you go into Safari, Preferences, Security, you will see a little checkbox, Fraudulent Sites. Warn when visiting a fraudulent website. And there's a little checkbox. And I don't know why you would not want to check this, but if you want, if you for some reason, don't want to know if you're going to a potentially fraudulent site, then uncheck that. Otherwise, check it. And uh, and it has a similar path. I don't have the email up here in front of me, but it's a, a similar setting in uh, on the iDevice. I, I got it for you. So you go into uh, settings and then go to Safari. And there is in the security section, which is uh, about two thirds of the way down, ah. fraud warning. And that is on by default. I think it's important to note uh my understanding of this, it does say downloading Safari safe browsing data, but I don't think it's downloading that from your phone. I think it's downloading it from your Mac to your phone. And and I think it's sort of a, a misnomer uh, of terms here because there, um, there would be no reason to pull it from your phone. You are pushing it to your phone. Well, yeah, I guess either it's downloading a list well, I think it's downloading it either from Google or, or yeah, it could be the data that's on the Mac, on the Safari ver- on Mac, and it's downloading it. Yeah, yeah, but either way, I don't think it's downloading anything from your phone. I, I think that. Oh no! Oh no! 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 Yeah. Okay, maybe that's the confusion. Okay, I, I see where you're going. Yes. No, it it is downloading a list of bad sites right. from somewhere to your phone. That's no, right. no, though they're certainly not taking data in this for this step there is certainly no data coming out of your phone right and like going to google no that 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 is not what this feature at least it shouldn't be doing that <laughs> no <laughs> and I, I doubt it is no they're not they're not downloading where you've been so so i understand the concern here so yeah um it's a good thing uh it's unexpected because now it's explicitly stated but i think they've always been doing it and it's always been a feature in safari or, or it hasn't always been, but uh, recently it has been. And I think it's a feature in most browsers now. And, yeah. and then it's just, uh, you know, people report bad sites. And then uh, and you, you may have seen the, the alert. Um, yeah, it just says the site is not trustworthy. You can still 
choose to go to the site if you want to, but you get a pretty obvious warning saying, hey, you, you, you may not want to trust this site. Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. Let's uh, let's go to Jurgen. Uh, you're going to ask, I'm switching from DSL to cable next month. And my old router, which was integrated with my DSL modem only has hundred megabit ports. Uh, so to avoid traffic jam with my new high speed connection, I'm thinking about buying a new router. And he is in fact going to hundred megabit cable next month, which is amazing. Uh, uh whoa, I know. What? Yeah. He says, I think that Dave is quite fond of D-Link routers. I don't have much experience outside of the AVM router that I have had. So what router would you recommend that will give me gigabit Ethernet and will protect me with a firewall and will give me maximum wireless LAN performance uh, uh, with my MacBook Air? By the way, do you have any thoughts on using a router with a firewall instead of turning on the firewall on every computer on my local network? So that's two questions. So um, I actually I've used D-Link switches in the past and actually I'm currently using them. In fact, I'm pretty sure that uh, our connection here for this show, John, is running through at least one in my convoluted network here. Uh, but as far as routers, I've actually really been happy with. Oh, well, over the years, I've used Linksys routers. But lately, I've become even happier with the Buffalo routers. And the reason that I like the Buffalo routers is because you can get them factory installed with my favorite firmware, which I've mentioned before, called DD-WRT. And what's cool about this is this DD-WRT firmware lets you do lots of stuff. I have a VPN set up here at the at the house. Of, you know, I, I can do all sorts of the port forwarding I want. I can control every aspect of it. It's really cool and really geeky. But the worst part about running DDWRT is getting it installed on your router because you've got to go through all these hoops and hold your mouth just right and pray to the sun and, you know, all this other stuff. But uh, but if you buy a Buffalo router, you can get them with DDWRT factory installed. There are there are specific models, so you got to make sure you're you're getting the right one. But uh, but they've got a dual band one, so you can do five gigahertz and two point four gigahertz right in it. That is the WZR HP A three hundred H, and then they've got a single band, which is uh, the last uh, bit is G three hundred NH. And I've actually got one of those G three hundred NHs here. It's uh, it's actually running the house at the moment. But uh, but great little router. And it's just so nice to have, you know, every other router I have that I put DDWRT on. I, you know, I've I'm, I'm voided the warranty because I put a non-standard firmware on it. Whereas these Buffaloes, it's awesome because it's totally supported and and, uh, and it's great. So uh, so those are the routers that I've been recommending. My brother just bought one, um, I don't know, maybe six months ago, and he's been ecstatic with it. I think Pete, I think Pilot Pete got one. I can't remember. But uh, but several several friends have bought them and been very happy with them. So so that's what I recommend for routers, John. These days, it's great. That's my thing, and they do gigabit Ethernet just fine, and and all of that good stuff, which is good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 a simple man. I I, I did have a Linksys a while ago, but I, I guess I I, I kind of soured to them because one day it just rolled over, and I think the power supply failed. That happens. I mean, they're those. they're cheap. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what was it? A WRT 54G? I still remember the model number. And I think I still have it in a pile of, of things I'm supposed to bring to the uh, recycling center. <laughs> my, my 54G actually still works. 
I have that here. That's my but That backup. was a model, right? I mean, that was yeah. one of the most popular models they ever made. And I think that one did not suffer. Yeah. Well, uh, the thing you mentioned is that I think what happened is they started getting cheaper and cheaper and they started reducing the amount of flash memory on it. And at yes. some point it made it so that you couldn't just in one fell swoop apply the DDWRT. And, and it got risky because you, you went through a multi-step process, which could brick the thing. That's right. Um, at yeah. some point. And then, yeah, then I soured to it because they, they started uh, that they broke something that didn't need fixing and that they started. Well, I guess it was to save money. You know, yeah, it needed putting, fixing on their end. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they wanted to charge the same money, but give you less uh, capability. And uh, I think they succeeded. But um, well, after that, to, I've been yeah. uh, time uh, time. <sighs> Or airport extreme time capsule type of guy. I'm yep. very happy with the one I have right now. The one I have right now is not the dual band one. It's still the the original. Uh, well, it's the original. It can do either G or N, but it can't do both. Right. And I have it set up in the N compatibility mode. The the four ports on the back are gigabit ports, which are great. You know, I bought some. Uh, well, made sure to buy some. Actually, it's it. it I want to correct something you said there. You said it can do G or N, but not both. That's not true. It can do two point four. Or five gigahertz, but not both. But in two point four mode, it can do N and G and B, and that's the mode you have it in. Right, but it's not the dual radio. Correct. One. Right. Right. It's okay. got the one radio. Yeah. But I just you just said it couldn't do G okay. and N oh, at I'm the sorry. same time, and it, and and it's e- no. I I fall into that trap too. I find myself confusing G. I find myself confusing the protocol with the. Uh, uh, radio spectrum and that is right. incorrect right yeah okay right thank you but yeah, you can and, do and it either right you can do 802.11 right in, in 2.4 and can be 2.4 or 5 right right all right but the newer models allow you to have one radio so so yeah it has two radios so you can do yeah. a 5 gigahertz n and a 2.4 i guess that's right? correct yeah okay yeah which is awesome i've got a i've got a the, the linksys router that that runs my office and everything is is uh what is it? A WRT 600 N. And yes, I, I jumped through the hoops to put uh DD word on it. This was, this one's not bad. It's got a ton of Ram, but um, yeah, but it's and got, as far as ratings. I know, and as far as I know, so what I have is uh, I think it's a scientific Atlanta cable modem. And I believe the connection coming out of that is a hundred megabit. And I believe the network in or the WAN port on the time capsule is also a hundred. And then the ports that are on the uh, local network are all gigabit. And uh, recently I made sure to, you know, go to our pals at Monoprice and made sure to get myself some, uh, I think they're either Cat 5E or Cat 6 cables, you know, uh, just to mention to people, if you're going uh, gigabit Ethernet, just make sure you don't have some crummy old Cat 4 cables because uh, they you may not be getting the benefit of gigabit Ethernet. That's a good point. Yep. All right, cool. Let's, um, we've got a couple of tips to share here. Um, and we'll start with Gary. This is, uh, well, I thought we would. Oh yeah. Gary actually, he just, he, well, long story short, Gary figured out in an unfortunate path that, uh, iCloud will not fetch mail from your old pop accounts. So when you, uh, with mobile me, you could have, you could use mobile me as your main mail, uh, but you could have, in addition to any mail that was just sent to your mobile me address, you could have mobile me periodically go out and check a pop server and check mail there and then populate your mobile me account with that mail, which made things really easy. Um, Gmail also does this and still does this. So this is an important thing. And this is what Gary wound up doing. But 
iCloud, he found when he migrated his mobile me account to iCloud, it simply stopped checking his pop accounts with no fanfare or anything uh, because iCloud doesn't appear to support this, at least not at the moment. So if you are someone who had mobile me checking your pop accounts, uh, it is not doing that if you've migrated to iCloud. And if you haven't migrated yet, find another solution. Like I said, in Gary's case, he went and uh, he started doing it with Gmail and, and it works just fine. So public service announcement there for everyone. And uh, and John, not you, but listener John uh, wrote in and noticed something interesting. He said, I was listening back to Mac Geek 360 when you were talking about iCloud and heard the problem from the listener about how much space was being taken by their iCloud backup and storage. I ran into the same thing. I'm a former mobile me user, so I currently have 25 gigs uh, in iCloud as well as uh, uh, migrated over from mobile me. I noticed, though, when I first set up the backup that I was using upwards of eight gigs of storage already. I was confused because I was only backing up my iPhone and iPad and couldn't understand how I had that much user data. Then I figured out after realizing that my iPhone was taking up 7.6 gigabyte gigabytes for its backup. Apple has stated that PhotoStream does not count against your iCloud storage limit. The dirty little subtext here is that your videos are not put in PhotoStream and they are backed up when you do an iCloud backup. So I had iPhone videos on my device from well over a year ago, dating to back to when I first got my iPhone 4, that were still hanging around. The moral of the story, sync your videos to your desktop or laptop and get them off your phone or you're going to be in a world of storage space hurt with iCloud. Thanks, John, for the uh, for the heads up to public service announcements there. I think there's going to be a lot of things that we all kind of learn and scratch our heads about with iCloud. John, the good news is that it seems like Apple is listening too, and uh, and have already made some changes, um, you know, specifically, I guess, like, well, I guess with iOS 501, which came out just earlier today, uh, developers can now write their apps such that only certain data gets backed up to iCloud and not everything. So you're not forced to back up these huge amounts of data, which Apple doesn't want you to back up anyway. So, uh, so it's good. You know, they're, they're adapting. They want to get this cloud thing right. And uh, I would love to see them get it right. I don't have my hopes up, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, I'm still nervous about parts of it because for example, so I'm going to tell you one part that I see right here, which, um, which kind of bothers me. So, you know, I was, a Floating around, uh, so you know, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't really uh, read the iOS 5 manual, though there is one available. You can only download it as an ebook, which to me is stupid. <laughs> well, because, well, because the Mac doesn't have a built in ebook reader, so you got to find something. And uh, what did I find? I think I found a program called, I think Calibri is it called, but I found an ebook reader because I guess it's a special format. It's not PDF, it's, it's some right. stupid. Per- semi-proprietary or in my, in my eyes different from what I'm used to. But, but anyway, so I got it. Get off but, of my lawn. Wait. All right. Sure, so, so two things. So number one, if you go into your iDevice and you go to settings, iCloud, I noticed this one setting. So, you know, I was just kind of looking around and seeing all the things that are enabled. And then I saw this one setting storage and backup. And so I click on that and then it says iCloud backup and it's off. And I'm like, oh, wow, that sounds like a good thing. And then I switch it to on and I'm looking right now and it says start iCloud backup. Your iPhone will no longer back up to your computer automatically when you sync with iTunes. Cancel or OK. And I'm like, what? That's stupid. No, cancel. <laughs> it's like, why would I not want it to back? Uh, why, uh, my question is, why can't they do both? 
That's like, a good uh, question. Yeah, well, I would Apple, much but- rather have a local backup. And, you know, we talk about this all the time, single point of failure. I'd really rather not have my only backup of my iDevice in iCloud. I'd like to have the option at least. Could it say, hey, by the way, would you like it bo- in both places or just one or the other? So I, I, I'm not enabling it because I, I, I'd much rather trust a local backup of my iDevice than one in iCloud. Yeah, I'm with you because, you know, backing up to iCloud is is in theory fine. But when you need to restore, you're now relying on the speed of whatever Internet connection you have to do that. The benefit is that you could restore from anywhere, even if your Mac gets destroyed. So, I mean, they, you know, there is that it's the age old thing, right? You know, you're, you're sacrificing convenience for for true in theory stability. But iCloud has yet to prove itself in that regard. True. Either. But as we saw recently with Siri, um, when there was a little hiccup, uh, oh, Siri's down all the time. Oh, that's the thing is yeah. that for all these cloud things, the caveat is if the cloud's gone or if you don't have access to a network, then you're, you're SOL toast. Right. Um, I, the other thing I noticed, and uh, one quick thing that I noticed, and this made me happy is I just, I think I just randomly wondered what would happen, but I took my iPhone with iOS five and now five Oh one. And I swipe from the top to the bottom. Hey, that's the notification center. I, I don't know how you watched the, the WWDC and then the... Uh, the I wasn't paying it. You, you know, I have a short attention span. I, know. I, I don't know if I watched the whole thing or, or I just forgot that. But I, I, I think I just... Or it may have been subconsciously in the back of my mind. Hey. And I brought this up. And then I went to the settings and, and refined my notifications. Right. To, to, right. Because they have different modes for them. But that, that was kind of neat. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's, oh, it's awesome. Right, it's great. It's just like it was in. Uh, there was that thing, and I can't think of the jailbreak now. But but it did the same thing with the jailbreak, and it was awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, Scott has a cool stuff found item for us. Scott writes, as a fellow keyboard fanatic, I thought you'd appreciate this terrific resource called Dash Cards, and that's cards with a K. Dash Cards is a widget that shows all of the available keyboard shortcuts for native Mac applications, as well as for a host of popular third-party apps like Evernote, Google Reader, Instapaper, etc. It's customizable and constantly updated by the author. It's donationware and well worth a few bucks if you have a great reference at your fingertips. F4, to be precise. It's uh, dashcards.com. John, did you check this one out? No. All right. Uh, I can't check it all out. The thing I'm looking forward to checking out is the thing you mentioned in the last show, which is kind of the, the house mapping uh, Wi-Fi thing. That That's next oh, on my yeah. list to check out because that sounds like a really cool uh, application. Yeah. I Yeah. I can't wait to do that. I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. 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 That's good stuff. That's all good stuff. We love it. That's why we love doing this show because it's uh, it's it's, you know, it's so much fun. But sometimes, John, the fun has to come to an end. Oh. I know. It's sort of a shame. Scrooge. Scrooge. (laughs) That's okay. We'll be back on Monday. Oh, we will. I know. That's awesome. That's right. We're we're in the groove again. We're totally in the groove. Until you're on the boat. Until I'm on the boat. That's right. Well, I'm going to eat a lot of turkey, and then I'm going to get on a plane, and then I'm going to get on the boat. That's how it's going to work out. You don't have to eat turkey. You know, there are other other, uh, animals that you can consume. Oh, you don't even Such have to the, eat every, And you know, I saw this. I was a, you know, you know, I um, went the other day. Do you remember this store? So, so the other day I wanted to get a, a Redbox rental and the nearest store that had it was Stu Leonard's in Norwalk. Oh, yeah. I loved Stu I hadn't Leonard's. been there Clover in Farms. ages. Clover Farms when I was a kid was what that was called. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And Stu worked there. Stu Leonard worked at Clover wow. Farms, and then you know, like like it, it's the it's the classic story of like the you know delivery milk delivery truck driver that rose up through the ranks and then bought the store yeah. and then got busted for yeah. you know uh, shoveling money off to the Cayman Islands or something. So a few things. So oh yeah, they they had little accounting problems. <laughs> yeah. One one member of the Leonard family yeah kind of cooked the books and they threw him in the slam for a they, while. They actually but, had, um, they had custom computer software written that maintained two copies of the books. I mean this oh, was oh, yeah. oh the red the it red was, book and the blue book. There was no mistake about this. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but it's a wonderful grocery store. It's it not is. cheap. So, well, they have some things that are It's not a grocery store. It's the world's, the world's largest dairy store. dairy store. store. Yeah. Guinness Book. But they have a uh, red box there. So I went there. What is my pointer? Oh, this was kind of cool. <laughs> no, so the that. red box... So this was it. So, you know, I was getting really annoyed. So I went there. I think I was picking up the Blu-ray version of Cars 2. So I go to the Redbox machine after I do some grocery shopping. Spent more than I intended. But they have all sorts of wonderful food there. And so I go up to the Redbox machine, and it's stuck on a screen. And I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I drove all the way to Norwalk, which, you know, it's not a really far drive. But I, I came just... You know, not to shop, but to pick it up. And so I'm standing there. I'm punching the buttons. I'm looking for a way to cycle power. And then all of a sudden, someone took control of the screen. I've seen this not once, but twice. Redbox, somehow, they have a monitoring application. And if they detect that the machine is wedged, someone will jump in there and take control of it and restart it. Because all of a sudden, it magically restarted in front of me. And it was like someone had... had Either they had a camera and saw me getting all pissed off, or um, they detected that it was wedged, and then they restarted it, and then I was able to pick up my rental because I, I reserved it online. <sighs> anyway, all right. Huh. Is, that, is, it, is there more to your story? I thought you were going to talk about, like, meat or something. No, huh? Oh, no. And and so what they had. Okay, now I'm remembering. Oh. I shouldn't have. I'm, I'm, I'm almost, sorry. As, I'm I'm sorry, almost as much of a spaz as you. What do you mean you're sorry? <laughs> no, but what they had was, now getting back, because you were talking about turkey, but what they did have was, turkey. was a... Um, turducken, a, a commercial. I don't think it was yeah. called turducken, but it, it it was in a grocery store. Yeah, I think it's a uh, it's a turkey and a duck and and what else? It's three birds in one. Yeah, we've had that before. You can buy that in most grocery stores. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just gotta I, look I, for I, it. It's a it's a uh, let's see. Yeah, it's a chicken inside a duck. Inside a Inside turkey. Inside a turkey. <laughs> right, or the other way around. But yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. We had one one Thanksgiving because because of this show, you and I started talking about it, and then I was talking about it at home, and and uh, so Lisa went out and found one or whatever. I mean, we had something else, too, because she's like, I'm not going to serve a turducken. But, uh, but, but we did. We had the turducken, and we all tried it, and it was like, yeah, whatever. It's cool. You know, it was, it's all the same. It's all then you got tofurkey, which... Yeah. you want. Yeah. All right. Well, really eat whatever you this? want on Thanksgiving. Can we tell them how to contact us, do you think? I mean, we've been spazzes well, for an hour here. We can, yeah. we can do something useful. Well, you know, Dave, if I wanted to contact us, the first thing I would do is probably send light up an a, email. Light up a big fire and do the smoke signals thing? Uh, uh, with with all the leaves down and the... Well, actually, it's it's not dry here, but with all the leaves down, I, I would not recommend that. Okay, so... At least in, one of my followers told me that uh, that they had someone in the neighborhood burn leaves and uh, and <laughs> caused the forest fire in the neighborhood. Duh. So don't do smoke signals this time of year if the leaves are down. But if you want to contact us because you are listening to the show, then the way you want to contact us is to send an email to premium. At MacGeekGab.com. I'm pretty sure you said premium at MacGeekGab.com, and for that, I'm thankful. 
You are darn tootin'. I said premium at MackieGab.com. But not, that's not the only way you can get in touch with us, Dave. You could also pick up this thing called the telephone, whether it be a landline phone, a cell phone, a pay phone. No, they don't have those anymore. I don't sure think. they do. Where does Superman change? Oh, uh, I'm wondering how he changes in the ones that aren't booths. I mean, yeah. I don't know what he does, but um, and you. Uh, 206-666-GEEK, which is? 4335. That's 206-666-4335. And uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash MacGeekGab. You can also find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash MacGeekGab. Or him, twitter.com slash John F. Braun. Me, twitter.com slash Dave Hamilton. Pilot Pete is slash Pilot Pete. And Mac Observer, all the articles from TMO is... At Mac uh, slash Mac Observer or at Mac Observer on Twitter, and last but not least, Leasley. if you want to find the uh, both the show itself, if you want to access it through your web browser, of course you can do it through iTunes. And if you're in iTunes, oh, we're all over the place. iTunes, if you access it through iTunes, we love a comment. We we love the comments. It's a good thing. We love the iTunes comments. Yeah. Yeah. Thank um, you so much for being subscribed. We would like to also thank Michael Johnston from the We Have Communicators podcast for converting this show to AAC. Thank Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth. And we'd like to, again, thank you because uh, we literally couldn't do this show without you. Yep. Thank oh, and you, you cut me off. MackieCap.com. Ah, made it under the wire. <laughs> Have a good weekend and uh, and 